Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. All right, good morning. I hope that you're having a great day. I'm getting ready to go to Israel, but before I leave, I want to get this third and fourth dig a bit done so that you can be listening to those prior to our podcast from the Sea of Galilee. That's going to happen on November the 8th. It'll be at 8 a.m. Central Standard Time. That's 9 Eastern Standard Time, which is 4 p.m. Israel time. So I hope that you well, some of you at least might be able to listen live. I know that some of you will have to listen to the archive because we are um, doing it early in the morning and some of you will be at work, but we're excited, so excited for this trip. I wrote a little bit this morning about how that I am so unprepared for this trip. Say a prayer for me if you hear this before I go that I'll be able to get packed and get studied up and get everything that needs to be in order, which is a bazillion things right now to get them done so that we will have Um, a peaceful trip. I know it will be a a glorifying trip to our God because Christians who travel together and worship Him every single day that we're together cannot help but I think bring glory to Him. But whatever we bring is so insufficient and so we are so unworthy as we present even our best efforts to Him in worship or in glorification. So thankful for the comfort that He gives us for the realization that when we cross the Jordan this time, that's just a physical crossing of the Jordan, but we're going to get to to cross the metaphorical Jordan one day, the river that chills the body but warms the soul. We are going to get to cross over to the timeless side of eternity and be with Him forever, and what great comfort we take in that. We talked last time about S-P-R-A-G-I-S, which is the Greek word for the seal or the guarantee that we're reading about when we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, and chapter 5, verse 5. And I want us to, what we noticed last time was that Spragus is always something visible. It's always something that people can see. It's obvious to people because it is a confirmation. It's also something that can be um, hiding or keeping secure, keeping something secure. But it's always visible. It's always something that confirms something. For instance, we talked about a will and how that it has the seal of the notary public on there. It's a raised seal, so it's obvious you can both feel it and see it, and it can't be duplicated on a copy machine. It's something that confirms. It's something that we can see, and it's something sometimes that makes secure the contents, as in a seal of a letter. So we talked about that word, and we talked about some of the places that it is found in your New Testament. And I want us to, just as a way of digging deep on the sixth part of question number three, if you're in your book, it's on page 15. I think it is important for us to understand, I'm going to go ahead and say here, that we do not have the seal of the Spirit in the same way that the apostles had it. And I think you'll see that really clearly when we dig further in. So one of the things that we do not receive comfort from in the same way today is the seal, the guarantee of the Spirit. So let's look at the word sfragizo, sfragizo, 
to seal S-P-H-R-A-G-I-Z-O, S-P-H-R-A-G-I-Z-O, to seal. And that one is, of course, the verb form, and it's used 17 times, with 10 of those times being in Revelation, and used in the sense that we've already defined in our last dig a bit. If you have your Bibles, turn them to Matthew 27, verse 66, where it says there, they went... And they made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. So there the word spragizo is sealing the stone. That is sealing the tomb of Jesus Christ so that anybody removing the body would have to break that seal. We talked about how the seal secures the contents. And that's what the seal was doing in Matthew 27 verse 66. And then we read... In John six twenty seven, Labor not for the meat which perishes, but for the meat, Jesus said, which endures to everlasting life, which the, fa- which the Son of Man shall give to you. For him has God the Father sealed. So first we read that his tomb was sealed in a literal way. But here we're reading that Jesus Christ was sealed by God. I believe that Jesus Christ was sealed First, in John chapter 3, if you look at John chapter 3, I believe we're at the baptism of Jesus. And in verse 34 of John chapter 3, it says, Whom God sent, speaking the words of God, for God gave not the Spirit by measure unto him. Okay, so, and and verse 33 calls that a seal. He who has received his testimony has set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God gives not the Spirit by measure unto him. God gave the unlimited Spirit to Jesus Christ. The seal that he really is from God. Well, how did we know he was from God? It was visible. He walked on the water. He raised people from the dead. He turned five loaves and two fishes into into enough food to feed a multitude. He healed people. He cast out demons. He uh, put a fish in a a coin in a fish's mouth for um, tax purposes. I mean, Jesus Christ visibly had the seal from God on him for what? For confirmation. For confirmation to show that he was the Son of God. It was a seal that confirmed his identity as being God himself. So then we read in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 22, and this is a reference to the apostles, that they were sealed as ambassadors of Christ by the manifestations or the showings, the visible, not just visible cues, but obvious visible manifestations, obvious visible signs that people could see that showed that the apostles had the Spirit. So 2 Corinthians 1 verse 21, He who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who has also sealed us and given us the earnest or the guarantee of the Spirit in our hearts. 
All right, so this is Paul speaking, and the Second Corinthian letter, more than probably any other letter in the New Testament, was a defense of the apostleship of Paul. And he's saying, we are anointed, and we are, God has sealed us and given us the guarantee of the Spirit in our hearts. So the apostles were sealed, and it was a miraculous manifestation of the sealing of the Holy Spirit. He was defending his apostleship, and, but it was only by the miracles that he could do that people could see that he was an apostle. He was, you know, called out of due season. He wasn't with the other apostles as they walked the earth with Jesus. So he saw Jesus, though. He witnessed the resurrected Christ on the road to Damascus when he was blinded, later to be baptized. And so this calling and the miracles that ensued, his calling was miraculous in the first place, but it was only by the miraculous showings or signs or manifestations of the Spirit that his apostleship could have been established. This was not a non-miraculous invisible spirit here. This was something that had some very powerful, powerful proof to it because Paul was able to do the miracles. And then it says in Ephesians, and this is a really important passage, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. I'm going to give you time to go ahead and turn there if you have a Bible. Ephesians 1 verse 13. In the context in verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, or we were made a heritage, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be, this is what he intended from the beginning for his people to be, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, here's the key phrase, in whom also after that you believed, after you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest, it's the, it's the earnest money, it's, the, it's what you give right now, it's the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So that's some stuff that right there that's a little bit hard to understand, but let's see if we can unpack that. The Holy Spirit of promise, first of all. Back in the book of Luke, in Luke chapter 24, we see this promise that Jesus made, and he made it to his apostles. Luke 24 and verse 49. He's talking to the apostles, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. I want you to go stay in Jerusalem until you get the power. Well, what's he talking about there? Well, it's specifically to the apostles, but it does refer back very clearly to Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to 32. All right, so we have Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to 32. It shall come to pass afterward. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. 
and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions, and on servants and on handmaids in those days, I'm going to pour out of my spirit, and I'm going to show wonders in the heaven and in the earth. And then he goes on and describes those wonders. Obviously, what Jesus was promising in Luke, in the last chapter of Luke, and the last few verses of that chapter, tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Obviously, that is a reference to Joel chapter 2. And Joel chapter 2 is miraculous. It is a miraculous outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and we see that very clearly. And if we turn to Acts chapter 2, we see that what God was, what Jesus was promising his apostles here in the last chapter of Luke, Luke 24, what he was promising was what was going to happen on the day of Pentecost. How do we know that? Well, we know that because in Acts chapter 2, he directly quotes Joel and he says, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel in Joel chapter 2. He quotes Joel chapter 2, Peter does, in that first sermon on the day of Pentecost. He's quoting Joel chapter 2 and he's saying, we are able to speak in these languages that we've never studied before. We're able to do this, get it, miraculous thing because this is what was promised by Joel. What was the miracle of languages in Acts chapter 2 for? Oh, it's so obvious what it was for because these men were saying, are not all you which speak Galilean? And how are we hearing every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea. He's saying, how on earth are we hearing the gospel here, this message in our own language when these men have never studied our language and they're all Galileans? It was a visible outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the apostles in Acts 2. It was a visible outpouring. So, do you think that these passages that we've just studied, along with Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 to 16, that discuss miraculous gifts, all of these passages put together would show us what is meant by the sealing of the Spirit in Ephesians chapter 1, 13 that we just read about in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation what did these people in acts 2 do they were hearing the word of truth the gospel of their salvation in whom and the ephesians heard it a little bit later in whom also after you believed you were sealed with that holy spirit of promise promised all the way back in joel 2 a visible impartation of miraculous gifts, something that people could see and know that this was from God. In verse 113 of Ephesians, it says, in whom also after you believed. Wow. If we look in Acts 19, let's turn over to Acts 19 real quickly. In Acts chapter 19, the beginning of the chapter, let's look at the start. It says there, and it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and he found certain disciples, 
wait a minute, where is Paul? He's at Ephesus, who is being addressed in Ephesians chapter 1 that we're studying, the church at Ephesus. So let's see. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, well, no, we don't even, we haven't heard whether there be any Holy Spirit. And he said, unto what were you baptized? And they said to John's baptism. So Paul goes to Ephesus here and he finds believers who are trying to follow Christ. And it says here that Paul asked them, well, have you gotten the Holy Spirit since you believed? Wow, since you believed. Ephesians 1.13, in whom also you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Wow, do you think that Ephesians 1.13 parallels Acts 19.2 and it's talking about the Ephesians? In fact, doesn't that phrase in Ephesians 1.13 just answer the question that Paul asked in 19.2? He said, have you heard if there's a, have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Well, they hadn't yet, but they did. And Paul answers his own question to the Ephesians in Ephesians 1.13. After you believed, you did receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and you were sealed with promise. So they had been baptized in John's baptism. Verse 5 of Acts chapter 19, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They believed and they were baptized. Let's see what happens next. So in Ephesians 1.13, Paul said, after you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. All right, Acts 19 verse 6, they were baptized. And then in verse 6, and when Paul had laid his hands on them, we're talking about the Ephesians here, the ones to whom he's writing in Ephesians 1 and saying you were sealed after you believed. So we have the whole story, the backstory in Acts chapter 19. So in Acts 19 verse 6, when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke with languages. They spoke with tongues, languages that they had not studied. And they prophesied and all the men were about 12 and they went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for the space of three months, reasoning and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. Wow, what happened in Acts chapter 19? They believed and they were baptized and then Paul laid his hands on, him, on them as an apostle and they were able to do, verse 6, miraculous things. Acts 19 verse 5 says they were baptized, but no mention of them receiving the Holy Spirit until verse 6 when Paul laid his hands on them. So we have this detailed record in Acts 19 of the Ephesians getting the seal of the Spirit. Was it a non-miraculous sealing? No, it wasn't a non-miraculous gift of the Holy Spirit. It was miraculous and it says it was in verse 6. Now, the word sealed, remember, it means something visible. A seal was supposed to confirm or certify, authenticate something as being the genuine article. Christ 
was sealed by the Spirit. We read that in John chapter 3. We read that Jesus Christ was sealed, showing because of his miracles that he was God himself. He was sealed. And then we read about the apostles being sealed by the Spirit in Acts chapter 1 and 2. Acts chapter 2 there, they begin to do miracles. And Peter said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In those days I will pour out of my spirit. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your old men shall drink. It was miraculous. It was a miraculous outpouring of the spirit in Acts chapter 2 that sealed the apostles to confirm and certify them as ambassadors of Christ. I really, maybe this is semantics, but I personally don't refer to myself as an ambassador of Christ. Now, I realize that there's a sense in which I represent Christ to the um, people that are around me by way of my influence, when I invite people to worship, when I hand them a card that invites them to study. There is a sense in which I am a representative of Christ. But in the New Testament, when we read about ambassadors for Christ, we really are talking about people who had been sealed, confirmed by His Spirit to be authentically Holy Spirit endowed, miracle doing ambassadors, representatives, sealed as such. I believe that that is how the word ambassador is used in the New Testament. So in that sense, I'm not an ambassador. I can't do miracles because I have never had any apostle's hand laid on me in order to be sealed by the Holy Spirit. The word sealed means something visible. Uh, Christ was sealed. The apostles were sealed. The seal on the Ephesians in 113 was a miraculous manifestation of the Spirit. We see that when we go back and look at Acts chapter 19 and read the details of exactly when they received that Holy Spirit. The seal of the Spirit was public. It was a sign. It was a mark. It was an outward certification that God had sent His Son and that He was all He claimed to be. The seal of the Spirit on the apostles was just that too, certification that Christ had sent them as they claimed. The apostles had to be ambassadors, and they had the ability to do the miracles as the outward sign that God had chosen them for that sealing or for that job. So the seal on the Ephesians then was the ability to do miracles that was passed along to them by the apostles to all the people around him, to the worshipers of Diana who are around them. It was their answer to all that were denying that they were God's people. Every single showing of the Spirit, manifestation of the Spirit, was a confirmation of the apostles, the seal of their apostleship. Even the spiritual gifts that they transferred, that they gave to Christians in the New Testament were a seal of their apostleship of the one who conferred the gifts. And it was a seal of certification then 
that God had accepted and received and affirmed them. I want to just ask a, a simple question. It's not that I don't have faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. I have this amazing product of miracles book that he gave me. The Holy Spirit did his work, not in a shoddy, haphazard way, but it has been sealed and confirmed. And I have the word of God given by those who were sealed by the Holy Spirit in that miraculous manifestation. But let me just ask the question, how could a non-miraculous indwelling of the Spirit be a seal in any of the ways we've talked about? It would be invisible. Suppose you buy a piece of property and you take it down to the courthouse and you want to have that piece of property recorded. Well, it'll have a seal on it. It'll have a seal of the county or the state or the United States. But suppose a question of ownership comes up later on and it's taken to court and the judge wants to see the deed and he looks for the seal and he doesn't see a seal. And he says, well, this doesn't look very authentic. This is just written on a three by five index card. Where's the seal? And you might say, well, it's on there. I had it recorded, but it's invisible. What do you think the judge would say about that? And suppose someone says you're not a Christian and you say, well, I have the evidence of that I'm a Christian. I have the, and let's just say I would say this, I have the seal of the Holy Spirit. Would a non-miraculous, indwelling of the spirit today prove in any way that I was a Christian today I guarantee that I am a Christian by allowing you to look at my life and compare it with the word of the spirit that he has left for us today that's how today I prove to you that I'm a follower of Christ. I don't prove it by the indwelling of the Spirit today because the indwelling of the Spirit as defined, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and venture to say that I have the Spirit dwelling in me through the Word of God. But I can only establish that I'm a Christian today by my adherence to the Word of God and not by some indwelling of the Spirit that is not visible to the people around me. I hope that that's clear. I hope that that makes sense. And I hope that by the passages that we've noted today, you can see that the obvious meaning of the word seal or guarantee is that it is a visible marking, a, an authentication, a certification that the object was genuine and it had to be visible. It had to be that miraculous gift in the New Testament. But today, because I don't have an apostle to lay hands on me, because I don't need a miraculous indwelling of the Holy Spirit, because I do have the completed revelation of the Word of God, today, my guarantee, my establishment that I am a Christian 
comes by my obvious adherence to the scriptures, the product of all of those miracles of the Holy Spirit. I hope you have a great day and we'll have one more dig of it this month.